if you're taking out a 40-year loan right now, um, it helps to lower your monthly payment. But in on the, the front end, but on, on the, the back front end, end, on the front end of things, mm-hmm. it helps you. Correct. Remember, these loans are not backed by FHA, so it's not government insured. Welcome back, everyone, to It Starts Now, the happy hour of finance and business. My name is Stanley, and once again, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, I have a special guest today that I'm so excited about. Uh, her name is Sarah Golan, and Sarah's going to touch in a lot of her background, but we're going to dive in on all sorts of things when it comes to real estate. And I'm so pleased to have her today. Um, you have no idea for the, you guys that's listening on the audio, you're going to have a treat today because we're going to touch on all the topics as far as getting the market, how's the market doing, and uh, sorts of uh, ton, ton, tons of things. So please welcome Sarah Golden. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Sarah, you know I'm so excited because uh, real estate is one of those things that you can make money. I don't want to say that it's like a something that you could have just sitting there and not take advantage of, right? Because you still got to put some kind of work into it. So when people say passive income, I always think that real estate is a great passive income, but at the same time, you still got to put in some work, especially when it comes to real estate. Right. I think if you're looking at it from an investment point, Mm -hmm. then yes, you can find a property um, in a distressed state, put invest some dollars into renovation so you can bring up the rents to market value mm-hmm. and then it becomes a source of passive income but i think throughout the process you also have to learn how to be a landlord because you're dealing with tenants you're collecting rents you have to maintain that building so hiring is super you it becomes like a, an entire company um, like a full-time like a micro job. company that right, you're right. running when you're uh, buying an investment property now how long you been doing this for? I've been in real estate, believe it or not, over 20 years um, in, in a multifaceted way. Okay. Um, so at 19 years old, I was working for a developer in Queens, New York, mm-hmm. um, and they also had their own sales team. So I was on the back end of things. I was an assistant, but throughout that um, period at that job, I was able to learn the processes of real estate from construction to sales to management. And during that time, like, what's some of the things that you came across that you you learned on your own and you took advantage of? Like, did you dive in and say, I want to do real estate um, full time? I want to invest in some properties? So my husband and I, we've owned our own real estate company and investment company. So mm-hmm. we would buy properties, renovate them and resell them, flip properties. Uh-huh. And we did that for a long time in Long Island and Queens. So in terms of knowing what goes on mm-hmm. into acquiring and renovating a property, I had a solid background in that. Sales. that's something that I kind (laughs) of jumped into on my own. Okay. And I'll tell you why I did that. We opened an office Mm -hmm. in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and we were hiring sales agents. And being a business owner, the wife of the business owner, who's the broker, um, I was in charge of 
making sure the leads that we're buying, Zillow leads we were buying and giving to our agents, and they would not convert these leads into real sales. So we would have lists and lists of buyers that were still searching, but our agents weren't able to sell to them. So I picked up all those cold leads and I started calling one by one. Hey, you reached out, you're looking for a property to buy. We have a new list of homes. When are you available to meet? Right. And I would book those appointments, bring them into our office, and then give those appointments back to those agents that weren't able to book the appointments on the phone. And it became a point where okay, I'm doing that, I'm bringing, I have the ability to bring in mm -hmm. traffic and bring those clients back um, and I'm giving them. And then, you know, I said, you know, something just kind of clicked. Like if I'm bringing in those buyers, like why not take them out? I know the properties that we have, I've seen them. Okay. I could show you a home if, you know, we wanted to tour a property. And I started just taking them out on those appointments on my own. And I said to my husband, like, I'm not going to bother you. This is something I'm going to try. I'm going to know if it's for me. And I just took it from there, got my real estate license, and I started doing my own business oh, as amazing. an agent. And that's how I started real, real estate. We got a drink to that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah we definitely got a drink to that. Cheers. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. That's a good resume to start out with. Yeah. You just have to jump right in. Um, mm -hmm. Sales is not for everyone. No. Uh, you have to bring a certain level of energy. You always have to meet, know how to read people when you're meeting them. Mm -hmm. um, knowing the, the knowledge of the market, what to show them, uh, how to run their finances, qualify them for a mortgage. Mm -hmm. I also have a mortgage background, so that also helped me in sales when they had questions regarding uh, mortgages so you, and, the, and the entire process of getting a loan to, straight through closing. So you can walk somebody all the way through the whole entire yeah. process. I'm also a homeowner and we've bought yeah. properties. So it's just like all that background experience came into play in sales. And it brought you to this point right now. Exactly. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Now, if I want to get in the market, because I think that's a crucial question right now yeah. because the market is so uh, busy right mm -hmm. um so if i wanted to jump into the market what would you say what would advice would you give make sure you save up a lot of money because prices for example in our market in brooklyn mm -hmm. prices have gone up there's stiff competition i would say you have to have your finances in order that would be key because as soon as you find that property you want to start placing offers and it's very very competitive so you have to get have your finances right. before you start shopping for a property. Especially right now, we've seen yeah. properties where um, the offers, you have like 20 or 30 offers. I'm, I may be exaggerating, but I know there's times where we called up and it's like 13 offers, 14 offers on a property. Yeah. Um, what do you think is driving that? I think there's a demand for um, people to upgrade their spaces, especially after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Being at home for a year with your family in a confined space and working remotely, you need to have a backyard. You need to have an extra bedroom that you're going to convert to your home office because majority of the time during that past year, you work from home. Um, also, families have been homeschooling their kids. So you want to create a space for your kids to be online on their mm -hmm. computer. I know in my, my home, um, my home office, I converted that into my daughter 
uh, study space. She's in, I have two teenagers, they're mm -hmm. in high school. And so my son, he had his own setup in his room, but my home office became my daughter's workspace. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, if, let's say for example, right now, you, you're selling a dream, right? Because that's what it is, basically. People want to have their own space, have their own uh, personal environment where they're not too attached to everybody. What big difference have you seen between when the pandemic first hit versus the market now? Well, when the pandemic hit, okay, let's go back. Okay. Before the pandemic, 2020 January started out really strong in real estate. Um, Why is that? You know, it's there because there was a lot of panic during that time. It, it, there was a lot of panic, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. We were coming out uh, it, towards the end of a presidency, so a lot of people pulled back from the market. So remember, we're going into the new Biden administration. Mm -hmm. Everybody was just like hating on Trump and couldn't wait for him to get out of office, and they kind of like held back. I've seen that happen in real estate because it's always a cycle when there's a new president coming into office. Mm -hmm. um, there, it creates an uncertainty. Like, what are their policies and, and how will it change for real estate? Right. But I think, in general, though, everyone always needs space. So mm -hmm. real estate, it, it just depends on are they willing to pull the trigger and buy now or just wait? Also, interest rates. There is the possibility of interest rates going up, but it's still relatively low right now. Right. So it's cheaper to borrow money, and why not do it now? Especially over the past few months, interest rates did creep up a little bit mm -hmm. more. But it overall, it's still affordable. If you've saved up money um, and you can afford to get in the market, this is the time to do it. Do you think that 40-year loan thing is, um, now that they brought it back, you think that's going to make a big difference? That's a little bit scary, and I'll tell you why. Okay. 40-year um, loan became a thing, I want to say, after the recession, because people who were behind their mortgages were able to modify their loan and extend the period on their mortgage. So instead of a 30-year mortgage, they went to a 40-year and that was just to make their home af more affordable, not the home affordable payments, their mm -hmm. monthly payments. So if you're out of a job, this is a way for you to kind of catch up. Correct. Okay. If you're taking out a 40 year loan right now, um, it helps to lower your monthly payment, but on the front end, on the front end, on the front end of things, mm -hmm. it helps you. Correct. Remember these loans are not backed by FHA. So it's not government insured. Oh. So there's a whole different set of criterias that you have to meet and lenders are tightening up their guidelines and they're um, lending, um, what's the word? I wanna say, yeah, the, the criteria is just much stricter. It's stricter guidelines, mm -hmm. that's what I was trying to get out. Um, and so, yeah, it's gonna save you on your monthly payment, but long-term, you're paying more in interest. You're also building equity at a much slower pace because if you wanna refinance, let's say five years into that loan, mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able to cash out money that you would wanna use for another investment. Right. So you just have to, it's just a longer period to wait on that. So I would say if you're able to afford a 30 year fixed mortgage at an interest rate of three, three and a quarter percent, mm -hmm. go ahead and do that. I think 
if you just want to you have the money you qualify for 40 year and mm -hmm. you want to do something else with that money and still have a lower payment but in a few years you know you have money coming in that you can still pay off that loan faster then mm -hmm. go ahead and do it okay. it's all about your finances it's all okay um now back to the uh, question i had asked earlier and, and i cut you up and i apologize for that um the market from my understanding because i had a friend that um had a building out out in the um uh, lower east side mm -hmm. and at one point people were leaving the city right right and then all of a sudden everybody he said he didn't have no everything was vacant he had a whole bunch of vacancies now he looked around everybody's moving back to the city is that the case do you feel that that the market is changing in new york new york city is not dead let me just uh, start by okay. saying that so all the naysayers that came out oh go we were running away from the city they were probably not new yorkers in the first place there's nothing like the energy here and this is why so many um foreign investors come to new york city because mm -hmm. they know the value will be there um i want to say now that we have a vaccine out if you go into manhattan it's like nothing ever happened mm -hmm. streets are packed and it's actually nice to have all the restaurants serving outdoors now. Right. It, it, it kind of feels like you're on vacation. Feels sitting like, like South a, Beach. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It brings a whole new vibe to New York City, and mm. I think it's going to stay. Um, a lot of people come back to the city. You know, it's still a great place to work, to enjoy culture, mm. to live. Um, and it has great restaurants, great nightlife, theater, arts. There's no place like New York City. So I would say come back, buy properties. Brooklyn is booming right now with construction. Now so. I'm glad you touched on that with Brooklyn, because um, Brooklyn right now is like a high commodity area. Everybody's trying to. The companies are coming in. Mm -hmm. You have uh, the stadium, who just acquired a few major uh, players that's yeah. bringing attraction into the city. Do you think um, Brooklyn is still affordable, or places anywhere in New York is still affordable? Yes. Okay. Um, I think you just have to go more on the outskirts of Brooklyn. So if you're going into South Brooklyn, you can find properties that are still in the 600, 700 price range for one family. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going into East New York, it's still affordable. I think if you're looking for Williamsburg, if you're looking for Carroll Gardens, Borum Hill, Brooklyn Heights, that's your most people are priced out of these neighborhoods mm -hmm. um but we have to look at brooklyn in totality because it's still the number fourth largest city city brooklyn is a city um <laughs> in in the united states and the fact that you have brooklyn developing at such a fast pace it, it's going to rival manhattan i feel in the years to come we have mm, towering skys right Our skyscrapers now are going to rival uh, Manhattan. Yeah. Wow. Just look at Brooklyn Point, Quay Tower, um, Eleven Hoyt. These are true, these are true. buildings that have true. amenities. Like once you cross that bridge into mm -hmm. Brooklyn, you're never going back to Manhattan in terms of affordability comparable to Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And also what you get, more sky, more space, green spaces, Prospect Park. You have... That, that's sure. yours it's not central park but at the same time again big open green spaces brownstones i sell in bed mm -hmm. no one's building brownstones anymore right to buy a property that's over 100 years old and it has all modern amenities like why not if you can afford it 
you have the history there, like buy into Brooklyn. Yeah. When, when you say the, uh, the outskirts of Brooklyn, um, what area specifically for you that stands out to purchase? To purchase, if you can mm -hmm. get into Prospect Lefford's Gardens, that's mm -hmm. one of the neighborhoods that I've, that I've talked about for years because it's this little pocket that's close to Prospect Park. You can still find a, um, a two-family townhouse or a lot of condos that are being built out there, co-ops. It's just a nice little pocket of Brooklyn. East New York, with all the rezoning that has happened, mm -hmm. you will have more residential homes coming to that area. And it's still relatively under a million dollars. So for a family uh, with an income of, I want to say, $100,000, dollars you can still find something very decent in East New York. Cypress Hills also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. East New York has a lot of like four units and, mm -hmm. and higher. And I, I, the big thing right now for everyone is like uh, get a four unit, mm -hmm. get um, a FHA loan um, and rent it out. And then, you know, house hack, that's the biggest thing right now. Yes. Do you still think that's something that's possible? Oh, 100% because FHA limits now on a four family, it's about 1.5 million. So if you're going to buy a house 1.5, and you're going to live, let's say you make first floor in a basement as a duplex apartment, you have the backyard mm -hmm. and then you have rental income helping you with your mortgage and long term, you're still building equity. That's a win win for you, because that's also an investment that if you were to move out of East New York, it's an income for you to contribute towards your future mortgage. on let's say you're one family, mm -hmm. if you move to the suburbs or just a quieter area right and yeah. it's still the property value is still going up it's still going up so it's a great way to get into the market if you have money saved up and if you're doing it if you're getting an fha loan just three and a half percent down why wouldn't you buy an investment property right. with just three and a half percent down mm -hmm. as a first-time buyer yeah. I, I agree um the only thing for me with the fha loans is a lot of restrictions Unless you house hacking, right? Because then that kinds of cut the red tape because now you're, you're there. Yeah. But uh, for me, a conventional loan is always a good thing. But can you break down why is the FHA loan or conventional loan, in your opinion, whichever one would you consider the best one if you are a first-time homebuyer? Uh, as a first-time homebuyer, FHA works because, again, it's less money out of pocket. Um, and it's also a lower... If your credit score is, I want to say, in mid-500 mm. to mid-600 score, like, so let's 550 to 650, you can get an FHA mortgage. You may not qualify for a conventional loan because they require a higher credit score mm. and a higher down payment. Right. Um, so I think if you are able, as a first-time buyer, go for an FHA loan. Yeah. Okay. And... On a conventional loan, they don't have those kind of programs for like uh, first-time home buyers. Not really. I think conventional loans, you still there's no your credit have to be really really strong, and you also have to have a higher income bracket. Okay. So these are the three things. So it's your down payment, mm -hmm. it's your income, mm -hmm. and your credit score. These are the three factors that determine what you qualify for. Okay. Yeah. Now you're you're famous for um, getting Angela Lee her. <laughs> Angela Yee, it's yeah. it's such a funny story. I met Angela eight years ago when she was searching for her first brownstone in Brooklyn. Right. 
and she worked with she shopped with a lot of brokers and they were always trying to like push her towards a house and when Angela came in first of all I had no idea who Angela was um I don't really listen to the radio I, I, unless I'm like driving in or something but mm. I didn't like I, I'm not the one that would like oh I'm gonna google everybody that comes into my office <laughs> because then you kind of I feel it just biases the relationship and the service that you provide to people mm -hmm. for me if you come to me it's it's the same service across the board right. and I'm gonna give you my opinions and I'm not gonna hold back and I'm gonna tell you like what's the, with the way I look at, at sales when I'm working with a buyer, mm -hmm. I'm moving in with you, so it has to meet my standards. If I'm able to live there with my kids and my family, mm -hmm. then I would say yes, go for it. So I'm looking at, as a homeowner for my buyers, that's what I'm looking for. It has to meet my criteria as a homeowner before I could say I'm confident that I can sell this and my buyer would be happy. The, the main thing is that you're providing a service and you want to make people happy. It is one of the biggest investments that they're going to make. Um, and you want to make sure that you're part of that process and giving the right advice. So with Angela, mm -hmm. I didn't push her towards any home. And I said to her, and she'll tell you today, um, Sarah told me that it doesn't matter if we shop for two years. Uh, <laughs> we're going to find the right one. And thankfully, we didn't have to shop for two years. What I showed her mm -hmm. was a brownstone that was off market and I knew the developer who was doing it. So I'm, I was aware of the quality of the work. And when I showed her her property, it was just a fully gutted, like stripped down to the walls where you saw just four walls. You saw the, the sky and then straight down to the basement. So nothing was built. And I had to kind of show her and guide her like, okay, Angela, this is where the kitchen is going to be. This is where the bathroom is going to be. Oh, so you gave her the blueprint. I gave her the the vision of what the, I sold her a vision of what the property was wow. going to be and it took a process of nine months and I helped to um, shop for kitchens and finishes all of that with her and so we just had a nice time for during that process and the price that she locked in uh, by the time she closed the market had already gone up about two three hundred thousand dollars and the developer is like, hey, Sarah, I can get more now for this problem. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not going to happen for not for my client, mm -hmm. you know. And we kind of developed the friendship after that. We stayed in touch. And a lot of my buyers, I would say, have had a great experience. And they became friends after that. That's, yeah. cool. That's, that's amazing. I love yeah. buyers. I love working Cheers with buyers. That. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Mm. And no. I, was, I also, to one more, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, and with buyers, if you end up giving that service, they're always going to think of you and refer their friends oh, or their absolutely. family. So yeah, I think yeah. it's a business that you you have to think about future business because mm -hmm. it does come back to you. I think anything that you're going to do, you, must, you have to put in the focal point on customer experience. Yeah. You have yeah. to focus on the customer mm -hmm. and what the customer is. Um, a reaction is going to be whether they're going to like this i like how you put people in your shoes with your standards that way you know if i like this i'm pretty sure my client is going to like this i'm mm -hmm. just not going to sell somebody a lemon and nothing yeah. is working or nothing is right from the inside but i do i do appreciate that coming from customer service but only that we love the fact that 
incorporating customer experience is a great thing mm -hmm. in any business if you want to ex excel because you want to have referrals you want people to talk highly about you you want reviews you want all these good things and i think those comes along most things come along when you help the customer first and you put the customer first always which is great yeah now i we're both from brooklyn yeah right uh, i'm from east new york and you're from i'm originally from guyana and okay. i always have to say that because okay. i'm an immigrant from at the end of the day i came from a third world country Mm. And my parents worked really hard, and I was raised in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Okay. So, after migrating to the States, landed in Brooklyn, Bushwick, Brooklyn. That's where I got my roots in, in New York. And when, at what age did you come here? Um, I was 11 years old. 11 years old, and how long did you stay in Brooklyn? I stayed until I was 18, so after I graduated high school, I went to school at Long Island University in Brooklyn, mm. downtown and then moved out of brooklyn into queens okay and finished up my bachelor's at queens college so cuny student <laughs> <laughs> not private ivy league <laughs> cuny i always advocate for cuny oh that's good uh, yeah. you know that's that's good because a lot of people from that well uh, i shouldn't say a lot of people but majority of us came from cuny colleges as well mm -hmm. too so and we don't really advocate it that that as much as we would like yeah, you know, cause no, it's, it's an affordable thing. way of um, achieving and your um, higher education. Mm -hmm. It's just more affordable and you're still getting, I felt at Queens College, I got a solid college experience and um, I wouldn't say, you know, if I'm going with, if you're going with a college and staying in another town or, or city, uh, for me, it was working nine to five and going to school to make sure that I'm able to pay my way through college so i worked um, throughout college That's good. Yeah. yeah now let's go um, back to bushwick uh, okay because you've seen a lot of changes yes uh, a lot of changes because right change. now bushwick, a lot is, of changes. bushwick is looking like downtown brooklyn bushwick is looking more like williamsburg i feel oh. with all the condominiums that are being um, mm -hmm. built over there yeah it is. It's a lot of developments. In right. In the back end, uh, I was like Evergreen. I think we were driving to go to um, the BQE. And I think they got a hotel there. And it's yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of things that's happening. There's a lot of in, things. Cool restaurants. Like, it's just a, a lot of artists have moved into Brook to uh, Bushwick. So really? that's, yeah, that's a place. Um, we should have A lot of street advantage. art. Yeah. That, that's your little art enclave. I would say Bushwick. Yeah, because yeah. right now, um, I I don't know if for me in East New York was rough when I when I grew up. I don't know how it was with Bushwick. I never said I was from Bushwick okay. when when I would visit um, friends in Queens. <laughs> um, it was just like, yeah, I'm from the Ridgewood Bushwick neighborhood so you would say the queen so, side so, like hinting like i'm more from the queen side of bushwick <laughs> which is you know not as rough as bushwick bushwick um so yeah it's like but now when you mentioned bushwick like oh i know bushwick i'm gonna go hang now out there proud. i'm gonna go hang out there and yeah. eat pizza at roberta's and like yeah bushwick is a it's place a... i'm very proud of bushwick okay um and for me going back to work in the neighborhood that i grew up in it's a blessing. It's just like everything coming full circle to be an owner of a business in Bushwick 
when I was growing up, no opportunities. It was just all this like violence and chaos. Mm. You talk to people now like, hey, do you know who the Latin Kings are? Like, yes, that was a real gang in the 90s <laughs> running Bushwick and all of these neighborhoods. Yeah, I think they're yeah. still around. <laughs> I'm sure they're still around, but I don't think my kids know about these yeah, things. True. Yeah, yeah. And I, raising up in that, being raised in that area during that time, um, did you think that you were going to do this? No, real estate was never in the plan. I think this is, I, when I was at Long Island University, I saw myself, I wanted to be a pharmacist. Um, and then, you know, you kind of like change your mind changes as you grow as a person. And when you're young and you don't have that guidance, you kind of like jump around in things. Mm -hmm. But I will say that my, again, back to the college experience, mm -hmm. I was working in a real estate office. I was working in a mortgage bank. I worked um, in Lake Success for five years in a mortgage uh, bank on the closing side. So I think having the experience in real estate and having the, the experience in mortgages, I still didn't think of it like this is a career. It was just like something I'm doing to pay my, uh, college, mm -hmm. right? Um, but it, it's always felt natural to me. I also wanted to become a lawyer when I was in Queens College, so the next step was finish my ma my bachelor's and go to law school. That didn't happen because mm -hmm. I got married and you know we started right. a family right away. Yeah, that's that's. You, you know what's incredible about the story is because a lot of people feel that they they need to know their future or they need to yeah. know the path that they're on, not realizing that the path can change, and is proven with you that the path changed twice. You wanted to be a pharmacist, then you mm -hmm. turned around, wanted to be a lawyer, and now you found your comfort, which was always there, because you said it became so easy, Yeah. and it was natural, and you found yourself leaping every time, right? Because you took a leap when you started making those calls, or from the lead calls. Oh, yeah. Right? So everything you were leaping in, because it probably felt so, so natural, would you agree? I would definitely, and again, I went into it um, with the mindset of, hey, it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll move on to something else. That's it. And I will say that when you are putting your energy into a commission-based mm -hmm. business, you cannot go in thinking about the money. Because if you do, it will hold you back. Because if that first month goes by, you didn't make a sale, you don't have a client that you're working with, mm -hmm. how do you go into your second month? How do you go into your third? How do you go into it a year after? If you're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't, no one's giving me a paycheck at the end of the week. Um, so once you really get into it and you, you pour so much time and effort into it and mm -hmm. you start to see results and be almost becomes a repetition of it and then you go and you teach it to someone else and all of a sudden you're starting from one person you're growing a team i now have a team of 10 in brooklyn um so i've been in the management part of it where i'm able to train salespeople mm -hmm. to also start their own businesses that way yeah so that's rewarding to be able to know that you made something it made it work for you but you can make it work for others and then you and help them right, yeah helping right. them along the way and and everybody benefits it's a win-win yeah. situation mm -hmm. but in in the, that scenario where you said that you know i'll try something if it doesn't work then i'll move on to the next thing 
Do you have a timeline in your head? Do you do you say, okay, if six months I don't see anything, I'm gonna be out of here. Like, My how does it work? Timeline. Um, how do you know when something is okay, not working for you, and try I, something I, else? I, I give it. I'm always the kind of like I'm so I want to say like dedicated. So I would still continue it, but I would say six months, nine months. Then I know, like, okay, I'm gonna move on. Most people have said that, hey, if you're not, I remember this one developer that I called to ask him if a property was available. He's like, listen, and it was so rude, but like, I still remember those words. He's like, listen, honey, if you're not making a hundred thousand dollars a year, you need to come see me. And I was like, no, that it was first of all, it was just a gross way to speak to women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, when I, it kind of made that my goal. That I have to, oh, this is what you have to make. And I had no idea. I, but I will say that within my first year, I did well above that. Right. So it, was, it wasn't like pat myself on the back. It was like, oh, there is no, there's no limit to this. Right, you can right. do more than mm-hmm. that. You know? So don't just like limit yourself. That's, so, that's the good part about being in a commission-based business. Well, and, and being you said your, earlier, an entrepreneur. I, yeah. Right. So you said earlier, and then we were having this... Um, we were having this conversation offline, and uh, I, I mentioned that commission based, no matter what it is, I, I still consider it to be entrepreneurship because um, you're still working for yourself, like yeah. the energy. And you said something that was crucial. You said um, you, ca- you catch what you eat, right? So it's all about the energy you put out there and yeah. uh, the effort that you put in. You eat what you kill. You eat what you, you kill. That was the phrase. <laughs> yeah, you eat what you feel. Thank you for correcting me on that one. Um, but the, the good thing about that statement is so true because uh, even in commission base, you're still an entrepreneur. If you don't go out there and hustle for yourself, yeah, you won't get anything back. I take Saturdays as my day off, and I'm here with you oh, on, well, a Saturday, on a Saturday. Um, my days start somewhere around 6.30 in the morning, mm. and it doesn't end until 1 o'clock the next morning. Wait, so, so you only sleep like, what, three, four hours? I'm four good hours? with four or five hours a night because it's not just the work. Mm-hmm. I also have a family. I also have a, a husband. Like So when I come home, it's like my second job starts. <laughs> <laughs> and then I catch up on emails, and before you know it, the whole day has gone by, um, and so I spend Saturdays with the family to, to catch up to see what they're doing, and um, yeah. So when you're an entrepreneur, no one factors into the hours you put in. It's not just energy; it's a lot of hours. Hours. Yeah. And how do you make it work? Because your husband is—he's uh, a broker. He has his own team. Correct. We talk a lot about real estate. We're now we were. Um, we were managing brokers for Ryan Serhan's office. So Ryan is from Million Dollar Listing New York. We met, we had a great relationship. We became his managers in his Brooklyn office. So my, it was my husband and I. And working with, uh, as a team, when you're husband and wife, mm-hmm. it can get really tricky. Um, but now we work in separate companies. So I stayed with Nest Seekers after Ryan opened his own business. Mm-hmm. And my husband went to Compass. And he started his own team. So it was kind of a way of um, not communicating and tying our schedules together 
you know you have to be at the meeting for the same things and for the team now you do yours i'm doing mine when we come home we're coming to our home and not talk about the business or the agents or anything else yeah so it's a that's, nice little it was a, a nice, nice little, little gap. break it's yeah, a nice it's a little nice gap. No gap exactly but at the same token is that's wouldn't you say the convenience of having you know being together in the same mm-hmm. which i agree with the gap by the way i think yeah. i think it's something that you have to have we've right? worked for right. over 20 years together 20. owning our business but doesn't that um keep the communication line open and at the same time like if he makes it to one meeting that means you don't have to you could focus on something no, else no when it's team you both have to show up okay um and we've balanced it for many many years and i also feel like it's a it's a change it helps him to grow and mm-hmm. myself like we could go in different directions okay yeah and you see the benefits on both sides or you see there's a slight edge on on one um not necessarily i i wouldn't go and pitch the same business that he's pitching mm-hmm. you know so we're able to tackle different neighborhoods uh, different markets so i see that as the benefit okay that's good oh so you just divide and conquer yeah th- that's what everybody has said oh so you're dividing and conquer. yeah, like, that's, yeah what... <laughs> that, that's how i look at it no that's yeah. good yeah, yeah. To, and, but it's still around the same business so yeah and the respect is still there and the fact that he's been a broker longer than i have or in sales like i feel that i still have someone that will understand it i could go to for advice because i don't think there's any deal that we haven't done that we can not share um, advice on. Mm. Yeah. And has he helped you out recently or anything? Or you, Like you I have... said, I went into the business. Okay. I'm not going to bother you. <laughs> I'm going to try to do this on my own. And if it works, it works. If not, it's fine. Yeah, but, but at yeah. least you have a, a, somebody you can lean on, I have, which is yeah, a great thing. Exactly. Right. Um, this has been wonderful. I just want to share one thing. You have a great thing going on you have a great team member which really connect us together and this has been an awesome conversation i would like to shout out danny for making this happen uh but at the same token it's like you cultivated a nice team Mm -hmm. right so when you're looking for team members how do you go about it what are you looking for specifically we sell energy that's the that's the way i look at it so when I'm looking for new agents and uh, talent, I, it's all about the energy that they bring to the team. Because if you have someone who's coming in with negative energy, they're just gonna kill the vibe for the entire team the minute they walk in complaining about, all oh, this client is blah, 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 or you know, just bringing everyone down. So I try to make sure everyone's energy is the same. And they can learn and grow with each other. With each other. So, yeah. And I think it's, it's all about the energy. And Danny has great energy. He's willing to learn. He comes in. He does his work. He's just he's out there building relationships. So he's one to really look for. Mm-hmm. And, again, he, you just need the right guidance as well. So mm-hmm. I'm always there for them. And the leadership style, where did that come from? How did you develop it? I am... The oldest girl in my family, my mom's a teacher, retired school teacher, and she always leaned on me to be to step up and be the, the head. Like, you're the example. Like, oh my goodness, being the oldest, um, I 
there's just an expectation there that you have to set the example for the younger ones. And that's always been on my shoulder, mm -hmm. you know, for my younger siblings. And I think that's where the leadership, it's, it's been instilled for years. Um, and I think if you ask my mom, she will tell you. She doesn't think like, she always say like, yeah, you were a child, but you were like a mini adult. Yeah. So there's always that role that you feel like you, you're always responsible for everyone right. else. And you want to see them grow and, and do well. That's good. Yeah. Hey, where can they meet you? Um, they can reach me at Nessigers. My email, it's uh, S-A-R-A-G at Nessigers.com. I'm also on Instagram at Mrs. Golan. Um, and I'm in Brooklyn all day long, six days a week. Yeah, but I'm based in Bed-Stuy at 326 Tompkins Avenue in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, yeah. yeah. And Brooklyn is back, baby. Yeah. I'm just saying that. It was always there. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. Okay, this has been wonderful. Cheers. Cheers. All right, guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was our pleasure. Trust me. We, um, I was so excited um, when you agreed to come on the show. And there were so many questions that um, I wanted to ask you, but you basically answered most of them all in one shot, which I thought that was incredible because... You, you, your anticipation for what you think somebody else would want to know, you already had that clear. So this has been an awesome interview, and I just want to say thank you. I yeah. really, I appreciate you All having right. me here. I had a, a really great time. This was fun. Yes. Next time we'll get Daniel in here. Yeah, yeah. next time we're going to get Daniel in yes. here. And um, this one is pretty good. I, I, it's, mean, it's grapefruit. It's grapefruit, but it's a, it's. It's it's, not it's I thought a, it was going to be sweet. I was like, uh, as long sweet. as it has grapefruit, it's a healthy wine. I'm like, oh, cool. Let's do this. Gra right. Grapes and grapefruit. Uh, grapefruit so, all, all right. Good. Well, thank you, everybody. Have a good night to the people that was listening on the audio. We truly appreciate you guys, as always. And uh, thank you so much for always tuning in. Good night. <laughs>